very ready. And we're back. Welcome to the Last Call Podcast. My name is Jamal. I'm joined 137 and a half kilometers away by Logan Paul's number one fan, Ash Hetherington. I'm more of a Jake fan, to be honest. I've uh, always been a Jake fan. I mean, we, we've always said that. We've always said that. I mean, you know, you just can't, can't cut down the giant that is Floyd Mayweather standing at three foot six. <laughs> All right. It was just the most ridiculous game to watch because they were facing up and it was like Floyd was staring directly into his chest. Yeah. And to be honest, if round one had gone an extra 30 seconds, Paul may have won. Oh, the, the last 30 seconds of that round, he was just absolutely going for it. Hey, Rainmakers, hey. Rainmakers, just bang. And then he was exhausted from there on out. Oh, it was so funny to watch because everyone was just like, oh, Logan won that round. It was like Floyd Mayweather that's just like walking back to his corner and Logan Paul's just like sitting on his horn, just like... <clears throat> Yeah. Then it was either after round one or round two, one of the commentators was like, that's the equivalent of six TikTok dancers. He must be wrecked. <laughs> yeah, the commentators were fucking sick. They were so good. Before the fight, one of them, it was like the serious commentator was like, yeah, you know, I mean, if he can fight well, he might be a chance here, Logan Paul. And then he just like cracked up. He's like, did I say that with a straight face? Like, did, did I get through? <laughs> no, it was, it, it's like, uh, have you seen Black Mirror? No, it reminded me of just like this is very <laughs> like Black Mirror 1984, the dystopian future of entertainment when just like random celebrities fight, arguably the greatest boxer of our generation. Like, <laughs> well, how did this happen? Speaking of, are you hyped for the battle of Brendan Favola and Cameron Mooney? Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> what did I miss? It, they're boxing for charity in November in Bendigo. Oh. Fevin Moons. Fevin Moons? Cameron I... Mooney will kill him. Yeah, because Fev will be drunk. <laughs> Chicken wing! Yeah, kill him. Um, yeah, no. One thing I found out, you know how Fev's daughter used to date the real yeah, Dan Rioli, he, she's moved on to Jamara Eugle Hagen. I saw that and I was like, what is going on? Say, like, oh, I could get a number one draft pick. Yes, yes. He's <laughs> gone up in the world. Eugle Hagen still yet to start. So tough to break into that bulldog side. It is very tough. All Especially right. when there's no VFL games happening. Yeah, there's no nothing going on except <laughs> except fly in and fly out games. So I mean. It's going to be a wild time, but hopefully we're out of lockdown soon. That's good. I'd also like to make mention of the fact this could be the last ever time that we record the podcast 137 and a half kilometers apart. Very maybe. It'll be either feet or what, 25 kilometers? Yeah, just outside the 10K bubble. Yeah. But I mean, both inside metropolitan Melbourne. Yeah, he's, he's becoming a city boy. Until we take the podcast on the road. Yeah, till we, till we get a tour in 50 years. <laughs> the last call road show. Yeah, it's the last call 
of our lives because we're literally dying and our last wish is just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go on a road tour. <laughs> All the IC user in the country. <laughs> we're just talking shit and people are just pulling the plug left and right. They're just like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> we go offline so someone can plug the life support machine in. <laughs> All right. Well, on that bombshell. Enough of that. Um, round 12, a lot of buys, um, which was good because I got to watch all the footy this week. I reckon hey. the first weekend I've watched every single second of a footy match. And and what were your thoughts on the overall state of the game? Um, so let's let's start from the start of round 12. We've had... Okay, I'm going to flip the question back on you because I don't know what recorded and what didn't. <laughs> The state of uh, the six games that happened this week. Yeah, I, I thought the footy was it was pretty good for the most part for the, at least the first four games of the week. Um, Friday night was a really enjoyable game of footy. Tale of two halves. Um, Sydney Sakilla was pretty close all day, and really probably the wrong side won in the end. Um, same with Adelaide Collingwood. Mm. Wrong side won, I think. And then the Dreamtime match that drew absolutely monster ratings for Channel 7. Um, Everyone and their fucking dog watched that, apparently. Understandably. Yeah. I mean, it was Essendon and Richmond and everyone's locked inside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and even that, like, the scoreboard really doesn't do that game justice, I think. Essendon hit the front halfway through the last quarter. Yeah, and then just... And then just stopped. Had to go quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Sunday was... Oh, Sunday was Carlton, and I just I if I never watch another Carlton game again, honestly, I wouldn't mind. I'm not. I feel like I wouldn't be losing anything. Um, outside of Sam Walsh and I think Harry Mackay got injured. Uh, cast, yeah. Whacked his head in a mean way. Sunday was full of injuries. Everyone got injured on Sunday. Mm. All Sunday, four. Sunday not so fun day. Sunday not so fun day. Um. So. Did you did you at least back West Coast? I think I, I my tipping was brutal this week. I got two. No, but did you have money on West Coast? I did not, and I should have because yeah. I I texted you and I said West Coast at two fifty. Good, good, uh, good little add in for your multi. You did I actually sat down? 10 minutes before the game and went to go to sports, but and probably back West coast and got distracted and didn't. That's tough, but I did tip them correctly. So. Um, yeah. I, I tipped. Okay. I tipped Richmond, which was good. I tipped West coast. Didn't get Collingwood and I didn't get Melbourne. Yeah. I didn't get Melbourne either, but I also tipped Fremantle. Um, well, they were looking all right until every every man and their dog got injured. I think the star, some of the staff got injured in the box as well. That's yeah, how- they needed. They almost had to pull Peter Bell out. <laughs> yeah, they needed Pav off the sideline. Sean McManus. <laughs> oh god, Kepler Bradley. <laughs> Bring it back. The reprise. Um. <laughs> all right. Well, should we start with Friday night? We should. Helper of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, Taylor two halves. Melbourne looked super strong. Uh, I don't know what happened in the first half. 
like Brisbane were incredible. Their midfield was running all over Melbourne's. And then I don't know what, what did Simon Goodwin say at halftime? Who knows? Gave him the Clarko treatment. Yeah, no, just at halftime, it looked like Brisbane by how far. Mm. Um, but for the second week in a row on a Friday night, Melbourne really surprised me. They turned it around and they just didn't look like getting beat for a second of that second half, even when they were 20 points down. They were they were four goals behind at halftime. And as like the first five minutes, you're just thinking, all right, Melbourne are going to win this and by how much? Because they were just so dominant all around the field. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think one- I might have said to you at like yeah. three quarter time that they would win by 10 goals, like it just looked mm. yeah, in- impervious and ominous. I think are the words Ooh. we we called Brisbane ominous. Is this do we finally buy Melbourne as a premiership contender? I Is do now, yeah, you do okay, yeah. Last week I still didn't, this week I do. I'm still waiting for them to, it's like. The past informs the present as far as I'm concerned and the future. I'm just waiting for Melbourne to just like, when? When are they losing to Hawthorne? When are they losing to Hawthorne? Yeah, well, I mean, they don't have many left to beat. They beat the Bulldogs, they beat Brisbane, they beat Geelong, they beat Richmond. Mm. But like, yeah, when when do they, uh, they'll probably finish top two, you'd think. Like, when do they go out in straight sets? (laughs) <laughs> oh, you'd love to see it. Ah, Melbourne fans just book the book the trip to the snow two weeks later. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you'd love to see them lose round one and end up having to go to Adelaide for a prelim Oof. against the surging Adelaide Crows, who beat them last week. Mm. Yeah, um, truck is. Unbelievable. I don't even know what I've run out of superlatives. He's just that Melbourne midfield too is just mm. like they're just so um very well built and like almost complimentary. Where you've just got all the pieces needed to just have a well it reminds me of like Geelong 07, where you've just got you've got Clary Truck and you've got fuck, what's his name? Who's the other guy in the midfield? Langdon's not a midfielder, is he? Um, no. Okay. I mean, Jack Viney when he's there, but he's injured. Um, I'm going to have to look this up. This is killing me. Um, but like how Bartel, Ablett, and... Um, oh, he, Harms is the other one going through there. Harms, 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 Harms. And even Brayshaw gets around in the middle every now and again. Yeah, Brayshaw. And when Viney comes back, that'd be... It's yeah. big for them. It's like you got Gary Ablett, who's the absolute superstar. Frark is an absolute superstar. Um, Harms is in in and out. Um, midfielder, a la, well, Ling did most of the tagging back in the day, but like you've just, there's a lot of comparisons to just like all time great midfielders. You love to see it. Look, you do, but it has to be asked Is Connor Menadue the best player of the 2014 national draft? <laughs> Drafted to Richmond, part of the dynasty. I mean, Trark, for as good as he's been, hasn't won a premiership. I mean, that's true. And, you know. Dan Butler. Yeah. He's a premiership player. (laughs) 
<laughs> Dad, let's get into that where we get to fucking <laughs> when we get to the other games. Um, all right, fuck. What was the first game on Saturday? Ah, uh, the uh, who? Yes, it's in Kelta City. Who could kick the worst? A lot of bad kicking on the weekend. That's one thing I noticed. Um, Jesus Lord, Jack Higgins. Is he Higgins? <laughs> couldn't kick his dog if it was right in front of him. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, Sydney played well. St Kilda came back and, you know, if they kicked straight, probably could have won by multiple goals. Yeah, St Kilda should have won by multiple goals in the end. I think Sydney were only just going. Um, you know what it was for me, and I don't know whether it's because I haven't watched many Sydney games neutrally all the way through for a while or whether it's just a dreary Saturday afternoon. Mm. Um, but it was the first time in a while I've really watched a game of footy just wanting the ball to go to one player. Like, I just wanted it to go to Buddy every time it went down there. Buddy kicked two goals in the first half, I think, and I was like, Buddy's on for 10 here. But they don't they don't do they don't target him like they used to and that's probably a good thing overall for Sydney as a team but as a neutral fan you just want to see him get the ball and just bully uh who who's he going to bully they they named Brad Hill at center half back so Dougal Howard Dougal Howard um but yeah. you know, an interesting stat i heard today mm. In the list of the most accurate goal kickers in the AFL this year, where do you think Buddy ranks for set shots? Is it is it uh, probably like top? I'd say top eight. Second. Second. Behind Tipper. Yeah, no, he's been he's for a guy that 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 was what plagued the early parts of his career was his goal kicking a lot of the time. Yeah. He's become a really accurate set shot at his old age. No, I think it's partly because after he lost basically all his athleticism, not all of it, but like he's not nearly as athletic as he used to. He got really um, put on a lot of weight finally um, and just got injured every part of his leg that he possibly could. So I think he's readjusted himself to be just like a lethal kick. And the commentators will tell you, best field kick in the game. He, he he is the best field kicker in the game. He's lots of commentators will go with Caleb Daniel, I think, which uh, he is a very good field kick. But Buddy for me, Buddy or Dusty, I think are the two most potent field kicks in the comp. Yeah, uh, to round out that top five, you'd probably say Daniel. I'd say uh, Rich. Yeah, Zach Merritt is a very very good kick. Yeah. So, but yeah, Buddy is oh, Jesus. It's crazy. It's like he's suddenly become really selfless and like a yeah. really good team player. Which is not what you should be doing at 970 goals, let's be honest. Oh, and I'm, buddy, hey, Lance, if you're listening to this, I have you going for a 1,000 this year. I have you kicking 30 in the next 10 rounds. So, hey, pick it up. Oh, you're finally probably a, on this week. So. Finally a hot take from Jamal. Oh, he's he's going to... He's going to play Sam Frost this week and he's going to kick 15. I reckon. Now, just hear me out. Timmy O on him. You know what? That is a, I'm going to say it. That's a better matchup than Sam Frost. Um, Do it, it, Clarko. I know you're listening. I would love it. Um, Mason Wood, 
injured, if whatever that matters. That's one of the few things I remember from this game. Kick the first goal, Mason Wood. Yeah, he's looked good in the last couple of weeks, and then he went off with a shoulder, I think, dislocated shoulder. Couldn't tell you. Um, Joel Armati in his second game couldn't drop a mark if he tried. Looked really good, but also couldn't drop the ball onto his foot if he tried. No. He <laughs> he, he clunks him, and then he just doesn't kick it very well. Did you hear when he was lining up for his first goal, how he just casually dropped the story in there about how he had a shot to win a grand final last year and missed? Oh, Jesus. It was so, like, how he was trying to paint it as, like, a redemption story. But then when he missed this one as well, it just got really sad. It's a bit grim. It's a bit sad. Um, Also, uh, Tom Hickey, best pickup of the offseason. He looks every bit as good as Sydney need him to be. Yeah. I mean, it's only taken him to his fourth club. Yeah. I wonder what he was doing. Cause I, this man did not come onto my radar this year when everyone was just like, ha four teams, four States, but I watch him and I'm like, he's good. Yeah. I actually heard an interview with him on trade radio at the end of last year. Mm. And cause he was at West coast last year and he said, well, I know if I'm at West Coast, I'm never going to be the number one ruckman. Yeah. So, like, I can sit here and wait till Nick Nack gets injured. But even then, Oscar Allen's probably the second ruckman. So, I'm, like, third or fourth in the queue. Mm. So, he left. And, I mean, he's probably number one ruckman at Sydney now. Oh, absolutely. No, he's really good, aggressive, takes a ball out of the air, takes a lot of chances, which sometimes as a, you know, six-foot-eight big man with, you know, the turning circle of a cement truck, Probably at you, Hooksy. like it. Yeah. I mean, unless your name's Jack Fitzpatrick, don't get too adventurous as a big man. No, absolutely not. All right. We move to Saturday afternoon. To a we game. do move. Uh, the Jamie Elliott comeback story. Oh. Collie would lose this game by 15 goals if Jamie Elliott doesn't play. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. it was. They were up, what were they up? Five goals to two in the first quarter. And I was like, Adelaide have been the better team here. And it was the story of the whole day. Adelaide were the better team the whole game. It was so frustrating because I was just like, obviously as a you know non-Collingwood supporter, I want Collingwood to lose, right? And I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, tenfold. Um, yeah, especially as an Essendon. They are my Geelong. Yeah. Oof. But you're just like, what? Like Tex, uh, Tex couldn't kick straight either. Tex almost missed his foot a couple of times. He was abysmal. Yeah, that was, and what, Jamie Elliott kicked six at the end of the day? Chief, uh, six, yeah, six goals straight. Chief declared Darcy Fogarty the man that could not miss, and he proceeded to kick two points. Yeah. Uh, didn't he kick that belter from the boundary line, though? Yeah, possibly. I reckon he did. Uh, and kicked two behind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I hate it when commentators do that because they're just like, he's kicked 21 0 for the entire season. And he's just like, okay, so he's so he's gonna miss. End of the game. He's kicked 21 6. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I reckon he kicked an absolute belter from the boundary line. Um, but he did kick two behinds. So yeah. commentators curse is real, I'm telling you. Oh, absolutely. Um, what else you got in this game? I just don't like talking about Collingwood winning, so um no, I'm just trying to remember back that far. It as soon as Collingwood won, I sort of just wiped it from the memory. 
yeah, like Adelaide should have won this game. And like, where would they be if they won this game? Um, they're 15th. They'd be like 13th. And going back to St Kilda real quick, how are they 12th? Yeah, good question. I mean, they they won a couple of games early, I think, didn't they? They beat GWS in Sydney. Yeah, but you you look recently and you're just like, okay, you are a, an awful football team. Yeah, they gave you a touch-up. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, they have been. Just imagine winning a game by 12 goals and still having your percentage at like a hundred, uh, like 75 yeah. at the moment. Yeah. That, really they, beat, they beat West Coast by 20 points. Yeah, that Which, was I mean, a weird uh, game though. West Coast away, away from Perth, West Coast are not easy beats, but definitely easier beats. Yeah, no, West Coast are... That was the El, game. El Dente beats. El Dente. They were behind... St Kilda were behind by like three goals at three quarter time, and then like kicked eight in a row or something ridiculous. Yeah. That was at Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I remember. yeah. All right. Well, we moved. Um, oh, wait, wait, one yeah. other thing. Did you see Will Hoskin Elliott's tackle? Which one? When, oh, Tex gave a handball to some Adelaide guy running into the goal square, and Hoskin Elliott came from out of frame and just annihilated him. Oh yeah, the uh, the Nick uh, the Nick Rewalt Heath Shaw Heath Shaw yeah, yeah. It, it just came from nowhere bang yeah I was just like how did he get there um but uh, again but that's enough good things said about Collingwood yeah correct again nonetheless um we moved to dream time at the O <laughs> dream time at the O um uh, a good game Essendon were behind most of the game. And then just like pulled back with like four in a row in yeah. um, I mean, the last I th- quarter. I think Richmond, for the most part, outside of the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes, I think it was pretty even. Yeah. Richmond jumped us at the start and got off to a flyer. And then obviously they came home with the wet sail once Essendon hit the front. But from the 20 minute mark of the, la- of the first quarter to the 10 minute mark of the last quarter, pretty even. Yeah. Not just on the scoreboard, but probably in game. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Richmond look better. Um, they've got most of their premiership players back. Um, Chol for the Brown, though, as far as I'm concerned. That was the how best first he, seven minutes. How I good was ever... he? Oh. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Andrew Phillips, clearly too tall, got his head stuck in the plane. Couldn't get off. Um, yeah, no, Chol, for the first seven minutes, looked like a world beater. Yeah, he was around the ground. He was quick. He was aggressive. He was beating um, Phillips in the rock. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. But, um, yeah, for the most part, I think encouraging signs. Oh, yeah, no. I don't think, Essendon fan, you should leave that game and be like, oh, what'd you get beat by? Like 39 points. Like that, that was a game. Sorry. No, as um, I think Luke Darcy said in commentary, this is the closest ever 39 point game in the history of the sport. I'd like him to fact check that before you say that, Luke Darcy. <laughs> but I mean, it didn't feel like that. It felt like three goals, probably. Yeah, no, it, it definitely Which, felt like a young team absolutely gave it their all and then just, just yeah. ran out of Richmond, Richmond just had that extra gear, that ruthless gear. Yeah, to go to the next one. Plus, Dusty, to lift. Uh, pedigree. You had McGrath out. 
who got injured in the first yeah, quarter. That, that hurt a lot. Um, and I mean, by the end of the game, Zaharakis was out. Yeah. Sorry, fake Zaharakis. <laughs> no, it's a, consp- it's a conspiracy. No, no, it's a conspiracy. That was fake Zaharakis because the real Zaharakis is back next week. Hey, real Zach is back. And Tipper was on one leg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, and Shea Bolton just cemented himself as the greatest player of all time. So clearly, greatest sports sports person of all time. Why stop Great, there? Greatest Great person. Person of all time. Nelson <laughs> who? The, may they were, the way they were talking about him was just ridiculous. Can we, Abraham who? Can we bring this up? Can we bring your list up now? All right. I've got, I've, I wanted to like, so basically we had very similar kind of list things and I was going to call mine miss of the week. So we're going to do miss of the week and I'm going to play you this new sting. He'll run in and put it into the third tier. Stoneham keeps it back in. Did that really well. And Lingle kick it. Oh, He's kicking out of the ball. It's the week, the AFL media again. What was it uh, that you tagged me in today? Uh, Is Shea Bolton a top 20 player in the AFL? Is he a top 20 player in the AFL? Seven AFL would like to know. Um, Short answer, no. Long answer brings me to my list. <laughs> 10 things that are better than Shea Bolton. Is it Shea Bolton? Shy Bolton? I think Shea. 10 things that are better than Shea Bolton. Number 10. Stubbing your toe on the corner of the couch. <laughs> oh, he's getting mean. Number nine. Nick Maxwell. <laughs> Uh, number eight, Matthew Wade's medium pace. Uh, number seven, the English Super League. Was it the English Super League? <laughs> Not even the European one. Just- European Super <laughs> European Super League. Uh, number six, the guidance system on the Titanic. <laughs> That was just some poor English kid stood up the front of the bow, I think. Number five, Richmond's decision to draft Richard Tambling. Number four, Raphael and Xavier Clark. Ah, they beat him every time. You can two on one. Shea has no chance. Number three, lockdown. Could have been higher. <laughs> Number two, Nickelback lyrics. Oh, mate. <laughs> of course they're better than Shay. Number one, Andrew McGrath, Tim Taranto, and Hugh McCluggage. <laughs> yeah, that's it, a- absolutely. With a bullet. As well as probably Thrill. Tom Stewart. Yeah. I mean, we went through this last week. So we, we did. Don't need to do it again. And just to continue on that point, I was going through the because, like, when you tagged me in that, I was so in disbelief that I went on the Richmond FC website and looked at their team. I reckon he's like the seventh best player on his team. How is he top twenty if he's the seventh best player on his team and Richmond are what sixth? 
in fairness, if you've seen Robbo's All Australian team, there are eight demons in it. I did see that. And to be fair, if you look at uh, Coop's <laughs> All Australian team, there are like 15 saints in it. So <laughs> we should come out with our own All Australian team. <laughs> Jason Winderlick at full forward. Yeah, it's just, it's just the Rockers. There's a Modra in there somewhere. Leo Barry at fullback. Dippers off the wing. Yeah. No, it was just ridiculous. And hold on, let me just pull up my list. I don't think I did 20, but I'm just going to name some players that are better than Shay Bolton. Stop me if you hear someone who you think Shay is better than. Dusty, Danger, Fife, Lockie Neal. Bont, Petrarca, McCluggage, Lockie Whitfield, Joel Selwood, Parrish, Merritt, uh, Mackay, Cripps, Walsh, Dugowie, Tex, uh, Elliot Yo, Jago Mira, and uh, Andrew McGrath. Even Tim Taranto. Sure, chuck him in there. Yeah, it's probably the arguable one is Dugowie. Simply because obviously he's mercurial and has the talent, but he doesn't do anywhere near enough. Yeah, I feel, and that's the thing. I was looking up Shea Bolton's stats this year, and you know how you like on AFL um, webs website, I guess, how they just like above average, below average, average. Basically, everything was below average, and that's not to knock him on stats. Like I lived through Sil Rioli. He got like eight touches a game and had, you know, forward line pressure and was just, as you said, mercurial. But like, top tw- Cyril was never top 20 in the league. Sorry. No, and it's like Tipper. Tipper's the same. Tipper yeah, um, will have four touches a game and kick six goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. People, lots of people compared to Goey to Dusty, but I think a much more apt to- comparison is probably Stringer. Yeah. Stringer's that type of player that can do the impossible, but then won't do anything for three quarters. They even kind of look the same. Medium-sized blonde with tattoos. Mm, shit blokes. <laughs> shit blokes. Shit blokes indeed. Um, all right. Is there any more Shea Bolton slander before we move on to Sunday? Mate, we could do four hours on Shea Bolton slander. It's not even slander. Truth it's... is a defense to slander. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. It's just, it's overhype. And I remember this happened with Cyril especially after the 08 grand final when people are just like, oh, Cyril's, you know, the best young player in the league. I'm like, he's not even the best young player on his team. Yeah. And look, it's not Bolton's fault. Obviously. No, absolutely not. It's the AFL media. And that's why we're angry at Shea Bolton because dickheads like Damian Barrett decide to believe yeah. that he's Mark Robinson the draft class. Yeah. No, we, we are the, we're here to hold the media to account. Mate, absolutely. We, we are we are media watch. Call us the AFL's Paul Barry. Barry, I love Paul Barry. I love that show. That show's great. Um, all right. <laughs> Last call, media watch. Media watch. That's what it, that's what it's turning into. Just angry man, angry men yell at media. <laughs> yeah, men yell at men for having opinion on other men. <laughs> Um, all right, Carlton West Coast. Um, oh, yeah, footy. Yeah, footy. Sorry, I just, I said at the top, and I don't know if it'll make the recording because I don't know what froze or not, but I just can't. I can't with Carlton. They are so frustrating to watch. Um, like, I love watching Sam Walsh. 
I love watching Harry Mackay when he doesn't have whiplash. I love watching Crips when he doesn't have a broken back. But watching- Weedering is a really good watch. They have a good spine, but like Zach Williams is frustrating to watch. Adam Saad doesn't defend anything. Fuck him. Um, he's ch- yeah. I don't know, and I like West Coast. I know they can't travel, <laughs> and and everyone was just like, "It's their first win at the SCG since 1999." I was like, "Okay, they aren't playing a Sydney team." <laughs> I feel like this is a rare circumstance. If you play anyone against Hawthorne in any spot that you haven't won at in about 20 years, just chalk up a win. There's an easy road win for you. I'd also like to point out that it, I'm not exactly sure of it, but I reckon for a big chunk of those 2000s, they would have played Sydney at ANZ, wouldn't they? Yeah. Because it was the biggest rivalry in the competition and they would have wanted to get the extra 30,000. Yeah, they would have They would have won at least one there. I'm thinking 05, 06, they would have won at least one. Yeah, but through that whole period when they were like the Geelong-Hawthorne rivalry, they probably never played at the SCG. Yeah, so it's, it's a very just like, oh... Uh, it's like it, it said it was like nine losses in a row, and it was twenty-two years ago. Yeah, before they moved to a- <laughs> yeah, it's a dumb stat. Essendon also haven't won at Waverley for fifty years. Well, that's the thing. It's just like if you know a team comes down to Tassie and they just like, oh, they haven't won here in fifteen years. It's like yeah, because they play here once every fifteen years. It's just a dumb stat. Um, um, but as much as you don't like watching Carlton, and I agree. It's so fun to watch Carlton off the field. They're imploding again. Yeah. Um, I John saw- Barker resigned today. Oh, did he? I didn't say that. I saw that they were um, had an investigation into their head of football. Or their football. No, they, they've commissioned an external review of the entire football department. Do they get paid for that? I can do that for them. You're fucking- it's, what, it, it, it's the buy. Yeah. They were coming this year and they've already imploded. It's great. Carlton are a shambles. Collingwood are a shambles. Ah, uh, it's the in a world where my team isn't good. Uh, this feels very calming. <laughs> Just the way you phrase that sounded like one of those like big blockbuster movies. In a world, <laughs> in a world where my football team is not good, um, I I have not much to say. Harry Edwards looked good on debut. For West Coast. Um, also, West Coast have literally all their players out. They have like half their starting lineup out. Um, Andrew Gaff looked good this game. It was good. Mm. How did Elliot Yo play? I didn't pay very close attention to it because I was trying to unpack my entire kitchen. He looks like he hasn't played in about 45 years. Yeah. He's good, but like he's got Rusty. to knock some rust off. Uh, yeah. But he'll get there and he's just got to stay healthy and he'll, he'll be fine. Um, but like that kind of youngish core. Oh, Liam Ryan is something we should talk about. Almost my favorite player to watch. He's phenomenal. He, um, he reminds me of, this is going to sound ridiculous. He reminds me of when he leads up, he reminds me of Ben Brown. You remember when Ben Brown and that whole thing around Ben Brown, where he took a mark at the apex of the ball that's exactly what Liam Ryan does. He's got such such good marking timing. Yeah, no, it's phenomenal. And um, they should just play him up full forward. You know who he reminds me of? <laughs> you remember? Sampe. Oh, sh- small shooter. Shooter Williams, a like great mark, 
phenomenal kick. He's one of the best kicks in the comp for goal. Yeah. I mean, that whole West Coast forward line is oh, it's uncanny. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't know what they what's in the water out there. It, I don't know if they recruit good goal kickers or if they practice it more than any other side or if they've got a great goal kicking coach. I wonder but, who the goal kick coach is. Like Jack Darling is just about the best kick for goal. Oscar Allen's a fantastic kick for goal. Josh Kennedy never misses. Mm. Liam Ryan's a great kick for goal. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, they should be so good, and like I, the, they, they are regularly six and seven goals straight. Yeah. Um. Because what Ryan kicked four straight, I think. Uh, he was phenomenal, and he came off with a hammy injury, and then went back on, and kicked another goal. I was like legend um on the bright side for carlton tom de Koning looked really good um in the he, ad- he did he did yeah uh, harry when the harry mckay went off um big boy up forward strong hands straight kick mm. that's all Agreed. right um did you see the rumors that i know this is a dumb take because everyone will want him but harry mckay has uh caught the eye of essendon for, for a mill a year I counter your ridiculous Carlton rumor with another ridiculous Carlton rumor. Hmm. Tom Mitchell has been linked to Carlton. I did see that. Sure. Best mates with Paddy Cripps. Dad played for Carlton. Hawthorne won a blood the youth. You know, in Carl- Carlton's recruiting strategy, they'll probably give four first round picks. How is he best mates with Paddy Cripps? I I saw that and I was like, sure, but how? Oh, because they have that company draft stars together draft stars or draft kings it's like tom mitchell matt rowell um who's playing next week i did say that uh patty cripps and someone else yeah someone someone else yeah no fair enough um yeah if carlton were dumb enough to give us like a decent young player and a couple of picks i wouldn't hate it yeah i'd like we're not going. Tom Mitchell isn't going to see our next finals appearance, probably. Correct. And the, I mean, the thing that would excite me about that deal if Carlton gave up a heap for Tom Mitchell is it'll backfire on them, and it'd be spectacular to watch. No, it'll backfire on them, and then they'll have mortgaged <laughs> their future for Adam Sard, Zach Williams, and Tom Mitchell. It's so nice to see Adam Saad hating Essendon because we were a shambles and moving to Carlton because they were so stable and on the way up. And now we're stable and on the way up and they're a shambles. Like, it's just great, Carlton. Sorry, if you're an AFL football player and you want to go somewhere because it's a stable football club, don't go to Carlton. Carlton haven't been successful in... Ever. 25. Feels like ever. 25. No, they when they last win, 26. They last made their grand final in 99. That'd be 22 years, wouldn't it? Yeah. So they haven't won in 26 years. They haven't made one in 22 years. One of the few uh, finals appearances in recent memory was because Essendon decided to needle up. I know. I thought <laughs> and it was still, it was worth it to see Richmond get beat by the side that finished ninth. It, it was great. It was good for all parties. Except yeah. Well, not, not all parties. It was actually good for very few parties. Um, the neutrals loved it. Um, yeah, D- Demetrio loved it. <sighs> Demetrio, Jesus. Um, I haven't read it yet, but Dad is getting into it, and I will read it next. Uh, get your hands on The Boys Club, the new book by Michael Warner. Exposes all the corruption to have come out of the AFL in the last 15 to 20 years. 
I available mean, at all good bookstores and Target for eleven dollars off the RRP. All right, I'll I'll have a look at Target, who are uh, folding as we speak. Yeah, because they're selling this book too cheap. That's why. <laughs> oh, very true. All right, let's get to the last match of the round: Fremantle versus the Western Bulldogs. I really enjoyed watching this game. Um, Aaron Norton. Why? Aaron Norton, fun to watch. The big can't, owner. Can't kick. Up front. How, how good does Aaron Norton look in the air? Aaron Norton looks... We, I, I've been saying it on this... Saying on. it on this podcast for two months. Yeah. If he could kick, saying, superstar. Aaron Norton is the best forward in the comp until he has to kick the ball. He's lead up. Um, he's... He hits the packs really well. He has good hands. That hanger he took when he was basically sideways, really good. He just can't kick. He even he he reminds me of Warwick Kappa with the mullet. <laughs> I was going to say Casbolt, but sure. Nah, well, well we know Casbolt can't kick, but um, well, that's half a dozen forwards in the top. Reminds me of Mitch Lewis. They are, they, yeah, but those two especially are very similar in that their figures look a lot better than they actually are because they either flush it or shank it. Yeah. Norton is very casbolt in that he has a lot of out in the fulls which save his set shot figures. Yeah, or it falls short because he's kicked it up off the side of his boot and it there was like three metres inside the goal square. There was one set shot he had like early in the like round five-ish. He missed his foot. It hit his shin. <laughs> that's, that's so <laughs> You have one job. Like, what are you doing? Um, well, two jobs, I guess. You got to get it and then get rid of it. He and he can do, he can get it. Well, um, um, yeah, Frio, how are they looking going forward without Fife, do you think, for the next six uh, weeks, probably? This is where they drop off. They've, uh, they lost Sean Darcy to an injury as well. They lost Fife dislocated his shoulder. Who's the other one who came off? Um, the one with the really bad hammy, the other Ruckman, wasn't it? Uh, it wasn't Lob. No, it's short. No, no. Uh, Griff Logue. He got no, no, there was, there was another one. Fucking hell. So they um, lost Darcy, they lost Fife, they lost Griffin Logue, and they lost... Uh, wasn't there another one? Oh, yeah, Brennan Cox. Oh, yeah, he, he looked... Unreal. He looked like one of the best halfbacks in the comp until he got injured. He was mm. all over the shop. Um, and he's is a real, real bad high tendon hammy, I think. So that could be 12 months-ish. Yeah, no. It reminded me of... Do you remember when... There's a few examples, but one that you'll probably remember when Matthew... Lloydy. Yeah. Um, and Nick Rewalt going for a lead up the wing, popped his hamstring and looked like he got shot. Yep. I was there the day Lloydy did it, and it was just awful. Yeah. No, he could barely walk off the field. So, um, yeah. Look, <laughs> Fremantle looked really good. Um, they'll probably end up 15th just because they have zero players. Does uh, Lloyd get a run next week? Uh, he'd have to. Half Big their Meeky. run. Big Meek. Big Meek. Um, yeah, probably. Big Meek. <laughs> Meek Meek. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Simon Meredith umpired his 400th game. And for the however many games in a row um, that he's umpired, Ray Chamberlain continues to amaze at how shit he bounces the ball. That is true. 
But I uh, look. Uh, never mind. Yeah, keep going. No, I was going to say there's there's not much we can take away from this game, but this was the Hayden Crozier revenge game. Oh, <laughs> also, um, AFL.com.au are doing our stuff now because Friday afternoon they came out with the preview for Brisbane and Melbourne with the headline, the Brent Maloney Cup. Oh, mate. Wait, I'm telling you, we're ahead on this shit. If anyone listened... <laughs> They did not think of Brent Maloney. Maybe our one to two listeners are just like AFL writers. Maybe it's Tom Twomey. It's Tom Morris. It's definitely not Tom Morris. He's too busy with Coops. After our conversation two weeks ago when you were like, who is Tom Morris? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, probably not Tom Morris. But but the Hayden Crozier revenge game. Mm. Hayden Crozier looked really good. I don't know why. (laughs) Just did, but there's not much I can take away from the Bulldogs in this game. They were playing a severely undermanned Fremantle. So. Yeah, but they got the job done, they especially did. in lockdown times. That's what you want. Yeah, exactly. You just need four points and, you know. As move I'm, on. Their percentage is healthy. We move. but yeah. We move. Um, all right. Thursday night footy is back. Yeah, well, hopefully. Well, the Geelong, Geelong players have entered hard lockdown. Yeah, what was the latest? On the, it, it's funny being people being like, "Oh, the you know the kids can't go to school." I'm like, "Is that grim?" <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I know. I was like, "That's a bit rough." A bit rough yeah, but that's uh, that's the South Australian government for you. Don't touch the ball. If it comes near you, oh, duck. See the video of the guy who was just like, <laughs> nah, "Not touching it." Perfect. Stick oh, it up. Legend. Um, Port Adelaide, Geelong. Is this anyone's game? I can't think of anyone. Uh, well, the 2007 grand final comes to mind. Uh, the, yeah, the 2007 final revenge game. Um, Geelong. It feels like a, we did a Motlop play for both. Oh, that's a good shout. I reckon Stephen Motlop. Stephen Motlop's played for both. I reckon he's still playing. Yeah, yeah. Played for Geelong, now playing for Port. Incredible shout. Um, Port Adelaide in Adelaide. <clears throat> <laughs> really oh, yeah <laughs> where are we at with Dangerfield well allegedly he's coming back this week but who knows um, yeah <laughs> I, I feel like he turned a three week injury into like eight no it wasn't no it was syndesmosis wasn't it oh no I'm thinking he got three weeks suspension and then did his uh-huh. ankle yeah right yeah yeah um, no, I mean, if Dangerfield's back in, that, that helps fresh off the bye. I mean, they're both fresh off the bye. Um, in Adelaide, I know points towards Port Adelaide because they do play much better at home. But I don't know. I'm still bullish on Geelong. Yeah. I know, I, the, I know the official podcast stance is now, fuck Geelong. That's true. Uh, yeah. It's the tagline of the podcast now. Oh, that's just my... I think I've got it tattered on my back somewhere. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like, uh, and honestly, they've they haven't played anyone too serious, but they have shown that they can just get it done without danger. Yeah. And danger is <laughs> old and injury plagued now, so it's like it's not like you're getting 2017 danger anymore. So, and I think I said this at probably round one or two. It might have been round one after they got beat by Adelaide. Geelong are a, a pack of old dogs now. They know not to peak too early, and they know 
what it takes to get the job done without expending too much energy or effort, which is what exactly what they did against Collingwood. Yeah, no. It's which I, I think saving yourself in those sort of games and not expending too much allows you to go really hard in a game like Port Adelaide in Adelaide after you've had the bye. I don't know. I reckon it'll be a cracker Thursday night. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think we said it before with the Bulldogs game, it's just like you're just going to get four points and get out. Like, I think they are literally flying in and flying out. So I think they'll just want no, to... No, th- that was the issue because of how late the game is. And there is a, um, a hard curfew at the Adelaide airport of 11 o'clock. Mm. They can't. They have to stay overnight, which is the issue. And that's why they have to go into hard lockdown for three uh, days. Uh, right. Because right. three, three days is now the incubation period, apparently. What happened to 14? What happened to 10? What happened to five? What happened to letting the science guide us? Yeah, I mean... Sorry, we won't get too political. Save that for the, the last whole podcast. Um, <laughs> peak on this game? Uh, Geelong. Ah. Just. Right, yeah, no, I reckon this is quite literally a coin flip game. I reckon Port Adelaide agent. I mean, they're both coming for buy. Port Adelaide are at home. Yeah. Who knows? And like, we don't know what effect quarantine has, not quarantine, but just like, I guess this kind of lockdown has on the players. So yeah, that's say. true. Hard to say. Yeah, it, it should be game of the round for sure. I think. I don't know. We might be talking about game of the round on Friday night, Sydney Hawthorne in Sydney. We won't be. The, uh, the Tom Mitchell cup, the Josh Kennedy cup, the Ben McGlynn cup. Oh yeah. Better, better. I think the more obscure, the better it is. Um, who else has played for both? Yeah, the JPK, the Lance Franklin Cup, whatever. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Buddy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you forgot about oh, yeah, him. the best goal kicker of our generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, 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 mate. Jack Higgins? Oh, <laughs> Aaron Norton. Come on. Hold on. Um, I have absolutely zero to say about this game. Sydney should win by a lot. Like it, yeah. it could get very, very ugly, very, very quick. Hawthorne have this propensity to just not show up in the first quarter and concede five to seven goals. That's true. Uh, um, yeah. So throwing back a little bit, because I know we should have covered it in the Sydney St Kilda game, but I forgot. I haven't watched a hell of a lot of Sydney, but obviously have heard about all these good kids coming through that have got the rising star noms and that. Yeah. Chad Warner is a jet already. Oh, he's great. He's. I was so surprised at how good and how strong he looks for a kid. Yeah, no, what Sydney have done, they've um, recruited really well and they've got like AFL-ready players. Um, you, you think what the Bulldogs did in drafting Ugal uh, Hagen, he's like raw prospect. He's skinny. He's like a kid. But like he's going to be an absolute gun when it comes to it. Like Logan McDonald is just like an AFL ready forward. He's tall. He's kind of big already. Um, and but how, how good is it to have the luxury of having a Logan McDonald type, be able to play someone next to someone like buddy. Oh, it frees up buddy to just like roam up the field. Like he used to. Like See, if he get if he gets drafted by North, he is the kingpin from day one. Yeah. He's the new Ben Brown. He's the only thing that they have in the forward line. Sorry, Nick Larkey, but you're just not cutting the cheese for me. Um, but yeah, it's the luxury of Sydney being shit for a couple of years with all these really good players. I don't know how Sydney was so bad for the last couple of years. 
their core is still pretty much the same. Well, I mean, I, th- I think lots of their core sort of retired, disappeared. Like the McVeighs and the the Reg Grundys. Um, there were probably a few others that drifted out. And like, I think their kid, like Heaney was injured for a lot of that time, wasn't he? Yeah, and Mills too. I yeah. think they did what Hawthorne did and hung but, on. I mean, and I mean, Buddy was out for most of that time, which is a huge loss. I think they hung on too long to some of those players, except Sydney drafted really well. Um, and they got Florence really good. Braden Campbell's got a rising star, can't even make the team at the moment. Um, Logan McDonald looks really good. Even like Hewitt is really young. Um, yeah, Chad Warner, they've just got a really good young team. And I think mm. they're, they're back. This is going to be, who knows? It'll just be, you know, top seven for the next 10 years, by the way, this squad's looking. So, probably. Question for you without notice. Mm. The, I mean, the way Hawthorne have gone about it the last five years, in hindsight, looks poor, right? But they've probably been hugely unlucky. Like if all the players that they had taken had stayed injury free slash sex predator free, <laughs> where do you think you would be at now? Like if you had a fit John Patton firing and fit uh, Tom Scully and Jaeger had had an in- uninterrupted run and Mitchell hadn't have done his knee, yeah, this, like it's obviously you can't say injury free everybody, but you've probably it, it, been unlucky. Well, yeah, it is tough to say because all when everyone was like kind of going like Tom Scully had a good year two years ago, Patton never really got it with us. If we distributed our wealth differently, maybe we'd we'd have a good go. Because you think like, hey, Cameron wanted to leave. Just imagine if we got Cameron. Yeah, but I mean, Cameron, I think fully firing and obviously not quite the same, but. Patton showed almost as much talent as Cameron. Yeah, but um, Cameron also got it done. John, John Patton was a huge what if. I feel like his career was always going to be, yeah, but what if he did X, Y, Z? What if he, you know, didn't sexually harass women and, um, like, kept fit? Yeah, but, I mean, if those what ifs had turned out, like, where do you th- Because I still, even if Patton and Scully and Mitchell and O'Meara say they're the main four, Mm. all fire, and maybe throw Wingard in there as well. Even if they all stay fit and all fire, I still don't think you're top of the table side. I think we're top. You're probably around that fighting for top eight. I was thinking top Because, like, you think about it, Scully had a good year. I think it was 2018 or 19 when he first got to the club. Tom Mitchell, like the first two years he got here were like phenomenal. Like that was brown low Tom Mitchell. Yep. Um, Jager got here and got injured. So if he doesn't get injured and he has a good run and Ch- this year has been Chad Wingard's best year for the club. Yeah. None. He's been a, a good pressure around the ball, um, electric in and out of packs. Like if we had this Wingard three years ago, we'd probably still be in top. 10 contention rather than just the very depths of the AFL ladder. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's easy to sit here now in hindsight and criticize Clarko and say, why did you do? He almost went the Carlton route, right? Of topping up with, 
experienced players from other clubs. Yeah, which I don't love. But but I think did it in a Carlton trying trying to get the sort of shit players or the GWS rejects. At least Clarko went out and went, all right, well, your GWS's two best players, your Port Adelaide's almost most talented player, your Gold Coast's best player. Um, and Tom Mitchell obviously won a brown low at Hawthorne, so that speaks for itself. Yeah. No, and I I I I think you're right. He has been unlucky, but also the players we've kind of put around them, you're just like, ah, uh, and, Timmy, and Timmy, uh, yeah, some players take a while, especially young players take a few years, especially if they're not like top, top, top of their class, like a few years to settle in. Mm-hmm. Harry Morrison and Ollie Hanrahan have been really good this year, but four years ago, everyone was just like delist them because they're shit. But no, you're just like, they're 19. So like, you can't be putting those type of players around this experienced win now core um, because they're just not going to be good. You can't rely on, you know, three players. Just ask how. Ask the Gold Coast. That was their whole model. Yeah. They went, uh, did it? No, sorry. GWS did that. Gold Coast and GWS, the comparison between them is a really interesting deep dive because mm. Gold Coast went for the model of be competitive straight away. Um, so recruit lots of ready-made players and then filter the kids in around them. Whereas GWS went, have a core of senior players and then just all kids and we'll get killed for the first couple of years. And then when all these kids are 23. Yeah. Those, those senior players will still be here. They'll be 29, 30. Yeah. And we'll be competitive. And they were. And they were. And that's the thing. Like you can't expect, unless you're like really, really good, um, like there's a small handful in every draft class of kids who are just like ready to go, and they're just Shea Bolton. Hey, <laughs> Shea Bolton didn't start playing until fucking 2020, as far as I'm concerned. And Shea Bolton has the most premierships. That's all that matters, and the most Brownlow votes. Now that that is just ridiculous. Um, but like you look at this year's draft class, which is probably a bad example because there's actually been some really good ones. Like Phil Thorpe's jumped straight in, been great. Been good, really good. Yeah, no, he's a great complimentary piece to tax. Um, same with uh, McDonald, who's been really good next to Buddy. Um, who's that leave? One and three and four. Well, Oogle Hagen hasn't played yet. Oogle Hagen hasn't played. Will Phillips just just not looking good, but it's his first season. Um, Granger Barris has been injured. Essendon's three. One of them's played one game. And then got uh, glandular fever? No, 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 not glandular fever. Uh, some illness, pneumonia or something. Yeah. And then Perkins um, has been all right. And Perkins Cox- is getting better every week. And then Cox will win the Rising Star. Yeah, he'll be good. Finally got his nomination this week. Yeah, about time. Um, Braden Campbell's been all right for Sydney. But then, like, you look back at any draft class and you're just like, you've probably got five players who are AFL ready and the rest of them just aren't. And that's fine. They're not supposed to be. You can't go into the draft expecting one player to change your franchise. No. Well, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. And if you do, that's just bad team management. Mm. Um, Anyway, so that was Friday night. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, not sure how we got there. Um, I have no idea. Um, Game it around, Fremantle... 
Gold Coast. You know, you know how close this game is, and not in a good way. I, I was on Sportsbet earlier, and I reckon they're about even. It's like a dollar eighty-five to a dollar ninety. There is one decisive factor that will change this match, though. Hold on, dollar eighty-nine Fremantle, dollar ninety-four Gold Coast. The return of the king. Ah, oh, Matty Rao for three hundred touches. Matthew Rao, three round over. It's locking in. But to be, to be fair, and I, I don't want to jinx anything, knock on wood, this is the game he comes back in, has 25 touches, and then arbitrarily does his knee at the end of the game. No, no, no. No, you know what will happen? And I said this at the start of the year. Caleb Sarong will go to him and tag the shit out of him, and he will really struggle. Yeah, Sarong. Because, like, like, I know people talk about how, how absurdly good he was, Matt Rao, last year. And it was almost the Messiah that we just spoke about you shouldn't rely on. Yeah. But it was his first six games. Like, you don't get tagged in your first six games. Nobody knows who you are. That's true. Now, Caleb Sarong, I saw him live tag Zach Merritt and how rough he is and how good he is. Raul doesn't stand a chance. No, he's going to hurt him. Hey, Sarong's a beast. Sarong is rough. He, He takes me back to, like, those old days of, like, late 2000s taggers where you just like hand you remember when stevie baker was it stevie baker who went up to um the stevie oh, yeah. whoever had the broken whoever hand had the broken hand just whacked it yeah phenomenal that's who sarong reminds me of yeah um, i have nothing else to say about that game do we have uh, anybody that's played for freo and hawthorne oh freo and uh, sorry freo and gold coast the Danny um, game no, Danny Pierce played for GWS, didn't he? Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. I feel like he... Mm. One of the Pierces? No, P- Daniel Pierce played for... Port. Port. And Port and Fremantle. Yeah. Pierce Hanley? Played for Brisbane and Gold Coast. Ah. Um, why have I got the name Pierce in my head? I have no idea. Is he Pierce? Huh? No, she just plays for Melbourne. We've got uh, an AFLW. We're gonna so ta- about, Taylor Harris has been traded. Talk about the big seven-player, five-team trade later on in the podcast. I Are we? Around it. No, we're not. Um, all right, I can't think of a player for this, but we've got the Brad Crouch Cup. Adelaide St Kilda. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um in St Kilda's traditional home of Kazali Stadium. Ah, uh, yes, of course, Cairns. Yeah, home of the Saints. Um, well, I mean, they have played home games in Wellington, so Cairns is... Is it close? <laughs> I was like, is it closer? <laughs> yes. Actually, may have also played a home game in Shanghai. I feel like that was Port's home game. Oh, was it? Um, yeah. I'll take it back. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry. There's, there's a lot of just nothing games this week. Wow. <laughs> um, Adelaide win this for mine. Um, Seb Ross and Tim Membry, you've both pulled out. Tim Membry is huge for St Kilda's structure. Yeah. Um, who'd they lose? Jaron Geary's injured again. Yeah, dislocated his shoulder trying to tackle Buddy. Yeah, I mean, that happens to the best of us. Actually, let's talk about that. But in that passage of play that Geary got injured, mm. it's phenomenal from Buddy. Taking that advantage and breaking through the pack. God, it was vintage, buddy. 
Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought Kyle Hooker was going to come out of nowhere and chase him. <laughs> Kyle Hooker's like on the other side of the fucking country and he just wakes up and shivers. He's like, ah. Every time, every time Kyle Hooker runs on a treadmill, he must just see Buddy's shadow like just at the front of it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get him this time. Um, yeah, no, Adelaide win. I think Sakura have too many injuries. And for some reason in the last month, Mason Wood has been really important to their forward line. So no, that's that's an indictment on Sakura. I was going to say that is an indictment and he's out. So it's it's not looking too good. Yeah. And also Sakura played reasonably well last week. So they'll have four weeks of shithouseness. Yeah. Is that a word? Shithouseness. But shit, ho- shit hosiery? Shit housery, I believe. I would prefer shit hosiery if you shit give it to yourself. I will, I will take that. Um, Jackie kicked two goals, three, and for him to get three votes by Coops. Full forward and centre half forward and yeah. captain. And captain. Um, all right. Sunday, North Melbourne GWS in Tasmania. You're at the Fortress. Ah, what's it? Is the AFL trying to make me not watch football this weekend? <laughs> Uh, they know well, it's the middle of the season. They know it's like by season. So they're just like, let's get all the shit games out before we get something. Because like, this this is how bad Hawthorne are. And I know it's North's technically home game in Tassie. North are better odds to beat the Giants than Hawks are to beat Sydney. Mm, that doesn't say much. But we're like uh, $5 <laughs> You make a good point about this game. We should possibly just drink while we're watching. Oh, absolutely. Oh, mate. mate. It's a long weekend. You can come over, check out the digs, and we can... Yeah, true, mate. Mate, if we're out of lockdown... <laughs> if lockdown is finished. I was going to say, if we're out of lockdown, I'll see you on Sunday. And we'll just yeah, bring fucking out. All, all podcast listeners are invited. A listener. Podcast listener. Get yourself over from Albania. It's me when I edit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sunday night, a decent game. West Richmond. Oh, true. It's been moved. Yeah. Richmond, Richmond, what, flew to Sydney? And then they're flying back later? Is that what I heard? Yeah, yeah. Their base is in Sydney. So they flew back from Perth to Sydney and then get back to Perth. Yeah. So, I mean, they got an eight-day break. West Coast at home, a very different <clears throat> to uh, West Coast anywhere else. Yeah. Except against Carlton. Is, if it's wet, Richmond by a lot. A, uh, lot a, a lot will depend on who West Coast get back. If Kennedy's back in, that's a big in. Um, uh, Tim Kelly won't be back. Mm. Shuey might be back. I'm not sure about the severity of his injury. but Yeah, but when you look at those things, <clears throat> you're just like, you want them in fit and firing. Like when you say Kennedy in, it's like, yeah, Kennedy's in, but at that point he's been, how long has he been out for? I feel like it's been out for one game. He played against Essendon. Who am I thinking of? Shuey's been out for a while, hasn't he? Shuey's been out for a while. Shuey's been out for a while and he just, it's the same when Yo came back in. Um, Yeah, but Shuey hasn't been out for a year and a half. That's very true. But like, there's still some rust on it. And especially when he played Richmond, who are just like a seasoned veteran. Mm. But uh, yeah, Richmond uh, it was the first time I think this year that they've really looked like the Richmond that won yeah. three premierships. And it really on Saturday night. And Shea Bolt, Shea, Shea Bolton really showed. <coughs> up, so, you know, well, of course, he's the best player in the comp. 
West West Coast to lose by 15 goals. Shea to kick 18 of them. Uh, I don't think it'll be quite that bad, but yeah, Richmond by five. I think if it's yeah. dry. if if it's dry, uh, so if it's dry, I give the Eagles more of a chance just because they rely so heavily on because they could kick fifteen straight. <laughs> yeah, because because they have um, like such clean uh, like marking forwards. Like Liam yeah, Robert- but R- Richmond's key defenders are very good as well. Like Bolter is a superstar. Dylan oh. Grimes is a triple premiership player. Even Vlosten's still there. Yeah, but he's short. Yeah, but still, so is Liam Ryan. Yeah, yeah, well, he might have to play on Liam Ryan. He's probably going to get the Liam Ryan. There you go. There you go, Richmond. Hey, Damien Hardwick, I've just solved the problem for you. We'll send you our bill. (laughs) Yeah, we'll invoice you. Um, Make uh, it out to the last call. (laughs) No, give it straight to Coops so we can get his his cameo. We could be be the, the next guest. We could follow up Chris Gale, Kurt Angle, us. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we move to the Queen's birthday, famously. Um, at we move as it has moved. As it has moved. The big freeze, however, has not moved. It's a big freeze at the G. It's still at the G. Get your beanies. Fine. Mine is not here, but yeah, get your beanies. What are they, 20 bucks at Coles? 20 bucks at Coles. 29 if you get them delivered. Rip. Rip. Big rip. Um, Melbourne, a phenomenal team. Arguably informed team of the comp. Um, their only loss was an absolute nail biter, which was fun to watch, but they could be very much be what, 12 and 0? Well, oh. I mean, they, they lost to Adelaide, so doubtful. Yeah, no, but they. Yeah. <laughs> As Keynes Corns once said, they could be seven and two. So. Yeah, well, yeah, well, they could be. Um, Collingwood, lucky to win last week and should be negative one and twelve. <laughs> um, not a good football club. Does this boil down to Melbourne? Very good. Collingwood, not good. Good analysis, Dermy. Ah, oh, mate, that was the highlight of my weekend. Dermot, Dermot said. Yeah, Fremantle are good at home, but I think the Doggies are a good football team, so I'll think they win. And I'm like, ah, oh, that is top-class analysis from Dermot. Criticise him all you like. Was he wrong? No. Mate, I love Dermot. Five-time I, winner? I don't. I mean, uh, it's fair. Fair enough. So that, that's our round 13 roundup. Um, with 13? We're up to 13. We're up to 13 already. We've got the Lions. 13! Lions, Blues, Dogs, and Dons on a bye. So, and uh, ye, I can still watch every single second of the game. So, if I don't go back to work this week. So, we'll see. How, how, so, what's your quandary? How do I? My fixture says we have ah. That, that's because they're they're twice. The fixture I'm looking at has five teams with a buy. Oh, that math doesn't add up. That is not correct. But teams with the buy this week are apparently Brisbane, Carlton, Essendon, the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean maybe they were just counting for their VFL team. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, 
sorry. We are good. I have some votes. Oh, uh, all righty. Um, best first. Yep. That's astonishing. Uh, it's absolutely world class. Oh! He is floating on air now. He's floating on air now. As always, we only do this segment to listen to Martin Tyler have an orgasm. Yeah, no, it's fine. Is it Martin Tyler? It's Martin Tyler. Well done. Oh, look at me go. All those years of FIFA for you. Legitimately. Yeah. Um, one vote in the best this week is admittedly, it is the mini version this week of the segment that we didn't do. It is the biased seg. Hmm. So one week goes to a player in a losing side, but DP3 once again. Yeah. Okay. Just real quick. Darcy Parish at this point, brown low contender. Top three at this point. At this point. What's he had? At, like- after round 12, he will be top three. And actually, that's bookmark this really good bet come brown low night. At the halfway point, Darcy Parish, top three. He's been like 35 plus touches for the past six weeks, I feel like. Since he went into the midfield in round three, I think, following Dylan Shields' injury. He's averaging 32 touches. Yeah. So. And like eight clearances. Unbelievable. And like his contested possessions are just off the charts. Yeah. Most touches ever in a game for an Essendon player on the weekend. Jeez. Outright most. Broke the record. Didn't equal it. With 44. Um, and in a year where Essendon fans have been terrified that Zach Merritt won't re-sign. Darcy Parrish is slowly becoming more of the, well, he's not a worry because he basically said two weeks ago, well, he did say two weeks ago, I love this club not going anywhere. The contract will sort itself out. But he's, Zach Merritt almost should have signed a new contract two weeks ago because as the weeks go on, Darcy Parrish is becoming more and more valuable relative to Zach Merritt to Essendon. I was going to say, Parrish is going to take all his money. He's two years younger. He's arguably playing better footy. Like Zach Merritt is still elite, especially on the outside with his disposal, which is the one area that Darcy isn't. But I mean, it's a lot easier, I think, to get elite outside mids than it is to get elite inside mids. Yeah. Um, So so one vote, DP3. Two votes goes to a guy that probably should have been recognised in my votes for probably all year, honestly. Um, And he may not have had as stellar again this week as some other players, but this is more for his body of work and the difference that he makes to his team. Max Gorn is so far and away the best Ruckman in the comp that it's not funny. Yeah, not even close. The the respective midfields of the Bulldogs, Melbourne, Brisbane, probably Port Adelaide and Geelong have all been similarly excellent. Mm. But the difference that Melbourne's midfield gets in Clary and Trark and Harms is they get first use almost every time. Yeah. Um, Gorn's hit out work is elite. 31 hit outs and a goal on the weekend. He contributes around the ground, takes those big marks, defensive marks, works really hard. And he's a big part of why Melbourne are doing so well this year. Yeah. And he's underrated. And what, I feel like underrated around the ground, what everyone lords uh, Brody Grundy for being like that fourth midfielder. I feel like Gorn has really picked it up, especially this year. He's just everywhere. 
Yeah, and I think Grundy probably still does more, probably does more uh, work around the ground through the middle of the ground, but I think Gorn probably floats forward more and takes those attacking marks and definitely floats back and takes those goal-saving marks in the back line. Yeah, he's like a a bargain bin Ben McAvoy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that's the right way around. Oh, well, anyway, three votes. Uh, three votes goes to a man that you touched on before and was just was noticeable how much of a difference he made to his team single-handedly dragged them over the line jamie elliott yeah yeah four goals straight at quarter time six goals straight for the game was it's not hyperbolic to say he was single-handedly the reason that collingwood won yeah no quite literally if he was not on the team they do not win that game because he is such a sharpshooter um he's a great kid and He's like that small forward, like we were talking about Liam Ryan, how he's just like a small forward with great hands and great lead-up ability. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And he's uh, he's one of those really efficient forwards too, almost like how I was saying about Tipper, how he'll have like four touches and kick four goals. Yep. So. So now, now we get to the not-so-good ones. The Fraser Garrett Cup. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever, but I'm sorry to call, tell everybody the truth. The man cannot. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. May God have mercy on your soul. This week's Worst on Grounds is a special edition because it comes with a preface, a foreword, a prologue. In many ways, it's an epilogue to last week's Worst on Ground. Do you remember last week's Worst on Ground? Three votes. No. The Los Angeles Lakers. I do remember. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And before we start this week's Worst on Ground votes, I'd just like to say it was entirely fair to give them the three worst and probably should have given them all six worst. But we move on. We don't like to hold grudges. And for that reason, one worst on ground vote goes to the umpires. Oh, I'm surprised they're not three. That's one thing I didn't bring up during the recaps. The umpire was... When, when you, that was why I paused and hesitated when you mentioned Razor Ray's bouncing. I was going to get into it then, but I knew this was coming up in the worsts. So there were two, as you you and I both watched a lot of footy over the weekend, there were two games in particular where umpiring really stood out glaringly. Sydney St Kilda and Essendon Richmond. Yeah. Sydney St Kilda, there was some of the softest 50 metres I've ever seen from players just flopping and umpires getting sucked in. I haven't seen people flop like that. Like I watch a lot of soccer and that's flopping is just part of the game i haven't seen people flop like that since like the early 2010s i watch a lot of competitive fishing and i haven't even seen fish flop like that (laughs) big salmon energy (laughs) just soft like i don't know if you saw who was it max king was that the free kick in the goal square yeah possibly someone put a hand into his chest and he just fell over like yeah. that's just soft. You can't be a full like a key forward and be soft like that. Fraser Gehrig is rolling in his grave. He is. He he's listening to this and he's really conflicted because he's like the I hate the worst on grounds. 
but I really agree with what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. And the umpires. And so I'm really upset at the umpires, but I'm also upset at Max King. Like he's just the, the G train would be going off the tracks internally. Correct. Um, and then in the Essen and Richmond game, some of the non-holding the ball decisions. Mm. Like what does that rule exist anymore? The Jordan Ridley one. I'm confused but, as to how holding the it's the holding the ball and incorrect disposal. That's yeah. that's the balance that they just don't get. Yeah, but the Jordan the Jordan Ridley one, and I don't don't know if you remember it as explicitly because you were a neutral observer, obviously. But the Richmond guy had the ball, ran five meters towards Jordan Ridley, tried to fend off, got tackled, dropped it, and then just play on. Yeah, no, I think they were just like, oh, it's a big match, swallow the whistle. But you're just like, sometimes that is just to the detriment. The, the players stopped. Dusty got the crumb and just stopped because it was holding the ball. And whatever you, you know an umpiring decision is really abysmal when both sides stop yeah but you know play to the whistle kids Dean Margetts needs to be not just uh, sacked but shot and, oh Jesus not fatally just to his knee just serious enough for him to understand that this won't be tolerated. No, and that's two um, two decisions in what, three weeks? That What was that um, deliberate out-of-bounds one? Like two three decisions in three. It happens every week with Margetts. Yeah, he right. is awful. Yeah. Anyway, two votes before we, you know, make threats on Dean Margetts' life. Two votes. Mm. All right. I was conflicted whether to give this as a group two votes or a singular two votes but I think for the alright no I'm going a double two votes with one very lucky to miss out on two votes Jack Higgins and Taylor Walker mm. both single handedly cost their team very close games absolutely Higgins kicked one six Walker kicked two six in games that were decided by less than a goal both less than a goal? Uh, Sydney was like nine points. Nine points. They kicked the goal right at the end. Three, three shots on goal. That's right. Sydney kicked a goal. Sydney kicked a goal with 30 seconds to go to take it out over a goal. Jack Higgins could have won that game there and then. And Taylor Walker, they lost by five points. He's kicked two goals, six. And the man very, very lucky not to be included in the two votes simply because his team won is Aaron Norton. Ah, every week. <laughs> one go- yeah, one goal, five. But that—that's the issue. It's that it's every week, and for one of the best young forwards in the game, it's something he needs to rectify. He's young; he'll fix it. It might be Josh Kennedy esque. Josh Kennedy. Would have- Josh Kennedy used to be an awful kick for goal. Then he got his ridiculous stutter step. And- yeah, fantastic. Now he's one of the best kicks in the game. So, I hope Aaron Norton has that trajectory because he is fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely is. Uh, the the astronaut if you will. Renault, and I will. And the reason, for three votes, the reason I didn't want to give two votes as a collective is because I have lumped a couple of players in for the three votes. Mm. They're best described as um, Carlton. Just all of them. Yeah, I agree. Not just the players, the club. 
the administrators, the officials, the supporters, the suburb, just, just lying the, on street. The overall concept of Carlton. Yeah, just the word, the connotations. Um, David Teague, when's he lose his job? Well, I mean, if the Teague train is still on the rails, Johnny Barker was the conductor and he's just fallen on his sword. Um, Did he resign he, or get fired? Well, resigned, but yeah, right. resigned. I, it, John Barker was assisted. How much sway does he have in the he, box? Yeah, he, a bit harsh on Johnny. No, I agree. He was the senior assistant, but he'd been there the longest. I think he's been there for about 10 years. I reckon that's um, back Brendan Bolton. Well, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, you keep sacking coaches, and at a certain point, is it the coach's fault? They're also good coaches. Brett Ratton was a good AFL coach. Arguably, <laughs> Brett, Brett Ratton is the most unfairly sacked AFL coach in the history of the comp. Or so I would have said until this year. Because St Kilda have been awful. Yeah, no, they have been bad. But they were good last year. That was the thing. It's just like, yeah. Brett Ratton was really good last year. They made the eight. They won a finals game. And he's just like, Carlton have really missed out here. And then I don't know what happened this year. But they've just been terrible. Do we have a train sound effect running through? Oh, I've been reloading the same sting every single time. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought it was the Teague train. That's the Teague train going off the rails. Um, but yeah, no, at a certain point, it, it's like giving a chef poisonous ingredients to cook with and then firing him because the meal wasn't nice. <laughs> because like, all the patrons are dead. I don't know whether it's the ingredients or the stuff that you're cooking with, which is like the club and the administrators, but the crockery, the crockery, the spoons. They have the spoons, they've got a lot of them. They do have many. Maybe it's the splinters coming off, spoiling the broth. But um, whatever it is, long may it continue. I was going to say you'd love to say it. We're not. We're not saying it's a bad thing. They are a bad thing, but it's not a bad thing for us. Oh yeah, no, it's great. Carton and Collingwood in shambles at the same time is like Christmas. It is. Ah, oh, it's Christmas every week. Christmas in June. Christmas in June. All right. You, hey, are you ready for my version of the lyrics? And with that, Jamal is going to do this. Okay, this has nothing to do with Nickelback, but it is equally foul and just... That's the way we like it. Gross. All right. Uh, this is by uh, rapper Rick Ross. That man sold you that re-rock. You ain't even know it. I die all over these Reeboks. You ain't even know it. Put Molly all in her champagne. She ain't even know it. I took her home and enjoyed that. She ain't even know it. Jonathan Patton has joined the chat. And with that date rape finish, <laughs> it's time to end. Thank you so much for listening to the Last Call podcast. <laughs> that was my lyrics. My name is Big Jamal. Ash, any last words? I quit.
That's the spirit. We'll see you in part two.